Welcome back to the 2R1 podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back with us. Last week we were in Mark chapter 1. We will pick back up there tonight. The question last week was, where am I being driven? Where is God taking me? Uh, This week, the question is, what is freedom? Hmm. What is it? Good question. Then we will speak or air an interview from last night with Pastor Robbie Rowe of the Bridge Church in Nashville, Georgia. So uh, sit back, enjoy the ride. Welcome back. So last week we left off in Mark chapter 1, and we're just kind of taking our time through it, and that's okay because we don't want to miss anything. Uh, And last week the question was, where am I being driven? And who is driving? Who's driving? What's the car look like? (laughs) Are your tires aired up? Are your brakes ready? Are your brakes ready? So we had a good time with that last week, and it's an important question. And... uh, We've added some images to the podcast to try and reinforce the concepts behind them. So if you noticed last week's image for Where Am I Being Driven is a car driving on a very wet beach, which seems completely crazy, Hmm. which is often what God does with our lives. Mm -hmm. Completely crazy. It's not usually on the the road. No, and it's nonsensical. Yeah, (laughs) nonsensical. (laughs) But anyway, tonight we're going to be picking up in Mark 1, we're going to talk about Uh, many things, but the title of tonight would be, What is Freedom? What is Freedom? So, Elisa, if you'll read for us, then we'll come back and pray, then we'll get going. All right, we're going to pick up in Mark 1, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Amen. All right. Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise you, Father, for being God, for being in complete control of each of our lives, Lord, for loving each of us enough to lay down your life for us on the cross so that we can have life, Father. You paid the ultimate price. And Father, I pray that we would realize that and that we would... Uh, walk with a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude for you and for what you've done, Father. 
and you've given us gifts, Lord. There's just so many things to be thankful for, Father, and I pray that we would be a thankful people. And Father, I pray that you would help us to walk humbly before you, Lord. You said that is uh, to love you and to walk humbly before you is all you require of us, Lord. And I pray that we would be a humble people, Father, and remember that in us, in our flesh, dwells no good thing, Father, but you uh, in us, Father. You purify us and cleanse us, Father, and you do great works and good things through us, Father. But Father, I pray that we would not try to do anything in our flesh, Father, but that we would submit to you because you are at work in us, Father, and if we will let you work, Father, you can do amazing things. And I pray that you would uh, wash each of us clean, um, draw us closer to you, Father, speak to us through your word tonight because your word is your power, Father, and I pray that uh, you would wield your power mightily tonight, Father, uh, cut through even the hardest of hearts that may be listening. Father, help us to look in the mirror and to see where we stand with you. And Father, I pray that you would bring fruit from your word tonight, Father, and you would bless the reading of your word, Father, and that you would teach us, lead us, and guide us, Lord. Uh, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and we ask you to just speak through us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I've got some, some uh, notes written down here that uh, struck me this week as I've been reading through the scripture, and we may get to them, we may not, we may get all of them or none. Um, so, you know, last week we talked about, um, again, we kind of went over Jesus' baptism with John the Baptist, then Jesus was driven into the wilderness where he fasted and was tempted of the devil for 40 days, uh, then he um, then he called some of his disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that leads us to where he begins to enter into his ministry. So he comes into Capernaum on the Sabbath. So it says, they entered into Capernaum on the Sabbath. Jesus went into the synagogue and began teaching. They were amazed at the way he taught, for he did not instruct them like the Torah teachers, but as one who had authority himself. And to me, when I read that, the word authority really jumped out at me. But just before that, uh, I, I wrote this down as it struck me. We should all be able to teach. Hmm. It might not be our gift, but we should all be able to teach people what God has taught us. We can always tell our story. You know, our pastor, Mickey Lindsay, has said on many occasions, and I love this, people can argue theology all day long. You believe this, you believe this, um, and there are areas of gray that are up to interpretation in the Bible. There are many areas that are not gray, but there are some that are up for interpretation, and we can argue those things all day long, but no one can argue your testimony, and only you can tell it. And, you know, I don't memorize a lot of chapters and verses of Scripture, but one that I have that has just stuck with me is Revelation 12, 11, where it says, and they overcame him, him being the devil, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. So the second most powerful thing is what God has done for me, what God has done for you, your story, my story. May we never stop telling the story of what Jesus did for us. Mm -hmm. I think so many times we put so much pressure on ourselves when we hear, well, we should be able to teach we we really we really build that word up and put pressure on ourselves when really we shouldn't. I mean, 
Our teaching doesn't have to look like someone else's teaching. And our story certainly doesn't look like someone else's story. Just tell your story. Mm -hmm. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. And there is power in that. The first most powerful thing is the blood of the Lamb, Jesus' blood. The second most powerful thing is your testimony, what God has done for you. And I think um, just the word teaching always stands out to me because that's what we do. So, you know, I thought, well, obviously nobody can teach quite like Jesus. Right. But how did the scribes teach then? Because he's being compared to the scribes. Mm. And so it leads me to think, well, that's kind of what not to do. What were they doing? You know? Yeah. Um, but the scribe's job was to write it all down. They recorded everything. Mm-hmm. Some were considered Pharisees and very knowledgeable, um, but there was something different about Jesus. And I think we we have the authority because we have the blood of the Lamb, mm-hmm. um, and we have our, the word of our testimony. So that, that makes us different. But I think not acting like we know it all, like maybe the scribes and the Pharisees did, mm-hmm. would give us more... Humility. Yes, and would give us um, more willing ears to hear our story. Absolutely. And, you know, even when we teach in the classroom, there's times when I may come across a poem that I have to teach, and I'm like, guys, I have no idea. Let's research this <laughs> together. I think this is what this means. And and I've always heard the, the term, for the classroom anyways, the phrase, fake it till you make it. But I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Students can see straight through it. Yeah, I completely agree. Honesty, even within the audience, is the best policy. Yes, and so the same thing goes when we're teaching the most important thing that could ever be taught, and that is the message of Jesus Christ. If there's something you don't know, just say it. Yeah, absolutely. And you could know everything you think there is to be known about a scripture, and someone come at it from a completely different perspective, and new knowledge. God can bless with new knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um And speaking about the Pharisees and the scribes and how they taught differently than Jesus, you know, the the verse tells us what made it different when that was Jesus's authority. Um, And I I wanted to mention something about that. But before that, um, a good friend of mine who uh, who I go to discipleship with, Riley O'Berry, we were talking about something that relates to this last week. And that is, he said, Taylor, how many how many books are in the in the Bible? I said, 66. He said, okay, well, in Hebrew, the number 66 means idol worship. He said, so why do you think that God would make there be 66 books in the Bible and 66 means idol worship? Why do you think that he would say that through how many books are in the Bible? And I just thought, and I just didn't really have an answer. And he said, you know, I think, I believe that it was because God is telling us to worship the author, not the book. Mm. And I think when you talk about this passage of Scripture where he, Jesus didn't teach like the Pharisees, if you look at the way they looked at the Word, they almost worshipped the Word. the law. Yeah, they worshipped the Word and the law above God. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't believe that, you can just go and look at some of the stories and how uh, they also added many laws onto what God had said and they misinterpreted what God meant and then held people to even an unrealistic standard and were a stumbling block between God and the people. Mm-hmm. And so when they taught, they idolized the Word. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to put the Word of God on the highest pedestal we can. It definitely is. It is. It's, it's yes. God-breathed. It's His very Word. But 
just arguing over uh, translations, King James or this, people have a tendency to cling to doctrine and the word above the actual author. Yeah, yeah they can memorize the whole book and still miss Absolutely. the author. Like yeah, you hear people say, I, I read through the book Bible in a year, and that's fine, but are you really getting everything that God wants you to get, or are you just reading the words? Yeah, you can tell when you've spent time with the Lord versus just spent time memorizing Scripture. Mm-hmm. And whoever you're teaching, that's what we're talking about, whoever you're teaching can tell when you've spent time with the Lord. Absolutely. Not because you can memorize a bunch of Scriptures. Absolutely. Um, so back to authority. I, I wrote down here as I read this throughout the week and just prayed on it and and I just asked for God to speak to me through it. I wrote down authority, honor it in both directions. And when I wrote that down, the next morning I got up and I was reading, and I was like, what did I mean by that? Like, <laughs> And then it's come back to me a couple times this week, and then it's left me again, and then it's come back and it's left. But before I forget what God gave me on that, the two directions that really came to me as I was reading that were, number one, the first direction of authority that we need to honor, number one, is God's authority over us. Too many times we want pieces of God without submitting all that we are and all that we have in our whole way to Mm -hmm. God. We can't move on to step two until step one includes submitting myself to God, His ways, His word, His direction, His leading, His sovereignty in my life. He's the king. I'm the servant. He's the Lord, and I am nothing but dust. I think that's step one. That's the first lane of authority we have to honor. The step two is uh, we have to recognize that we have authority in God's Word. Because we belong to Jesus, Jesus has given His authority to us as His uh, vessels of change and His messengers of the good news on the earth. We have been given authority um, to proclaim the good news, and we've been given the authority to speak forth truth with love and boldness. We've been given the authority um, to proclaim good from evil, Mm. you know. We've been given the authority to be persecuted even. Yes. That's something we, we just don't like the word authority. We don't. Unless it is us that has it. We are a culture that especially dare I say it, but women do not like anybody to have authority over them. And it's not a bad thing to be submissive, you know, right. especially in the right places. And that brings us to the title of tonight's uh, podcast, and that is, What is Freedom? And I hear so many young people struggle with this, and even um, adults struggle with this. We have this idea in our mind, probably as Western people, as Americans, that freedom means being able to do anything I want. And having authority. <laughs> well, being able to do anything that I want, any time that I want. If you look at people that do that, that have complete authority in a human sense to do whatever they want, whenever they want, those people are usually very miserable. You think that being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, would make you happy, would bring you completeness. But let's just look at it from a child's perspective. When we tell our kids, hey, don't drink a Coke at night, don't eat sweets before you go to bed, if they didn't have us 
telling them that and they could do whatever they want whenever they want they would eat a bunch of sweet drink and they would have a stomach ache mm-hmm. just on a small level well you multiply that over and over as you grow because um, the amount of um, responsibility you're given grows as you get older so imagine in your job if you could just do whatever you want whenever you wanted um, if everyone did that there would be chaos and because there would be chaos it would be nothing would get done and it would be miserable and there's just many reasons psychologically just from a human carnal standpoint why freedom true freedom as we understand it to be would be miserable Mm -hmm. so the question tonight what is freedom i guess a better question would be what is peace what is peace like is is freedom what you and i are looking for Is, is unbridled freedom what you and i are looking for we may think so, but I think if we were to get what we want, we would be absolutely miserable. And in in the Bible, with the gospel, what is freedom? True freedom, first of all, is deliverance from sin, but then it's submission to God. True freedom is actually when you come under the authority mm-hmm. and the rulership of God. That's when you get freedom, when you surrender is when you'll get freedom. Whereas we think freedom is take mm-hmm. and let me get mine. And that's what the world teaches freedom is. True freedom in a worldly sense will always equal misery. But what is freedom? What is it the freedom that you're looking for? The freedom that you're looking for is peace. And peace only comes when we surrender to God because he is the only good thing in the universe. The rest of us are marred by the sin we were born with and the sin from the choices that we've made. And God is the only one that can bring restoration and order to our chaos. And when he brings order, then peace will come. And that is true freedom. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. But that doesn't make sense to the carnal mind because we're clinging to freedom with all that we have and we're chasing well, a mirage. How much peace is it to know that somebody else is taking care of it? That That's true. I mean... That is just the ultimate contentment. I don't have to worry. Somebody else is running this ship. Yeah. You know, and and because I'm going to let him, he won't, you know, he's not going to fight you over the wheel. Yeah. And and also, he's good. Yeah. You know? It'd be one thing if he was a harsh taskmaster, but he's good. He has our best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And so, freedom. Just like we do with our kids eating right. Cheetos at night. <laughs> I don't Sneaking remember them. what food you said, but that really happened in our house recently. Snuck <laughs> a bag of Cheetos. So then he goes on here. Um, they were amazed because of the authority he had. Mm-hmm. And then he, he gets to use that authority. That's yeah. Verse 23. Not, it, not a um, coincidence, I don't think, that... They're amazed by the authority in his teaching, and then he actually displays mm-hmm. his authority here. Absolutely. He says, In their synagogue just then was a man with an unclean spirit in him who shouted, What do you want with us, Jesus from Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing the man into a convulsion, it gave a loud shriek and came out of him. They were all so astounded that they began asking each other, what is this, a new teaching, one with authority behind it? He gives orders even to the unclean spirits, and they obey him. 
And the news about him spread quickly through the whole region of Galilee. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It, it mentions authority again. And so I think that it's really honing in on that word. When the um, unclean spirit asked him, he asked um he said, what business do you have with us? It's the same thing that um, Jesus said to Mary when Mary came to him at the wedding and said, they're out of wine. And Jesus hmm. said, well, what is that to me? You know, that's I, interesting. I didn't that. It's the about same that. phrase. And it's it's actually them in the Hebrew. It was kind of like an idiom or a um, figure of speech. Figure of speech. Thank you. A figure of speech that they would say that means like I have you have no obligation here with me and I with you there's nothing between us I'm not obligated to you at this moment hmm. you know so that's kind of what it meant in Hebrew at the time it was a it was a commonly used figure of speech just like when we say it's raining cats and dogs it right. makes no sense but <laughs> it did to them and so it's interesting to me that they would say that like they're trying to remind Jesus that we're kind of we're okay to be here because we have authority over the earth. Right, right. But they recognized him as the ultimate authority. Yeah. Like, wait, this wasn't the plan, but yeah. you, you reserve the right to change yeah. the plan. So what's the deal? <laughs> yeah. Um, and immediately, there's that word again, immediately. Yeah. That, I, that was one of the things that struck me was, and I wrote this down, the good news will spread quickly when we operate in his power. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that no, is good. Yeah. There's no su- substitute for God showing up and doing an amazing work. That speaks for itself. And if we're submitted to him as the authority, then that's much more likely to happen. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus actually, as you go down in, in the verses here, he tells the unclean spirit to be quiet. And then later on, he tells other unclean spirits that he cast out and demons that he cast out to be quiet because it was not, Jesus didn't want the word getting around just Mm -hmm. yet that he was the Messiah because he knew what would happen. People Mm -hmm. would turn into, you know, they'd be starstruck. Mm -hmm. Um, But when God shows up and he does a work, there is no keeping it under, under the radar. And we should not feel this pressure on ourselves just like I referenced uh, the great Dan Nix a couple episodes ago to just take the machine gun approach of witnessing to people. Jesus saw the moment that God presented before him. He did the work that God had asked him to do. And then God took care of the rest and, and the word and the, uh, the good news, the, um, the message, the amazing story will spread itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, God will, from what all we have to do is concentrate on the task before us. We don't have to worry about tackling the whole world with the gospel. We just do. We stay in our row and do what God brings us. Yep. And so the scripture goes on and says that he continued to heal many. But interestingly, this is where we hear about Simon's mother-in-law, which is Peter, and she had a fever. She lay ill with a fever. And in Luke's gospel, it says the great fever. Hmm. You know, Luke was a doctor. And so they were referred to fevers either as a fever or great fever. So when it was a great fever, it was pretty serious. Mm -hmm. Um, So when he actually reached out her hand, I mean, I'm sorry, when he reached out his hand to her and touched her, she was was healed. She was healed. And I wrote this down because I think this is important. Um, there is a difference between 
sickness, and an unclean spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes those lines get a little blurred in our mind, and we're like, oh, well, he's got a sickness. And then so you go to some churches, and they'll be like, well, you know, there's no such thing as sickness. It's all unclean spirits. But as you can see, the way the Bible words this, um, there is sickness because we live in a because fallen world yes. because of sin. And mm-hmm. sin is a sickness that leads unto I've death. I've been saying for a long time, that's why we even have pimples. I mean, everything is good. Yeah, it was not supposed to be like that. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) It's true. It is true. I mean, everything is is off. And so I just think it's important for us to remember that, you know, um, just because someone Mm -hmm. is sick doesn't mean that um, they have secret sin in their life or that they are um, possessed Mm -hmm. or that they're coming under attack. Um, I mean, there's a difference between sickness and unclean spirits, and you can see that from this scripture. And I love this scripture because, you know, I always, I often think about the disciples' wives. I'm sure not all of them were married, but they just got up and left their families, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm assuming that they were a big provider in the household. I know it was different then. Cultures were different. Mother-in-law was living here, so they all pitched in. Um, But... I can just imagine Peter's wife after Jesus healed her mother. She was like, oh, yeah, you need to go. No, just go. Yeah. <laughs> just go <laughs> with fine. him. I'll uh, take care of the kids, yes, whatever. Yes, we're good. And immediately <laughs> when, when the fever left her, he lifted her up, the fever left her, and she, the mother-in-law, began to serve them immediately. Yeah, immediately. And there I wrote, it is again. I wrote down that. Um, let's see. The disciples told Simon's mother-in-law about Jesus and what he could do for her. Then I wrote down, there is a difference between the gospel of carnal prosperity and the gospel of deliverance from sin eternally and presently. And I can say with confidence that God will deliver you. Mm-hmm. If you're listening and you're going through some mess in your life, what do I mean by that sentence? Because I think sometimes people, mm-hmm. I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm not saying that God will send a person a check or deliver them from their financial woes. I'm talking about spiritually. And many of the problems we have in our life are a um, symptom of a spiritual problem. And when I say that God will deliver you, God will change your mind and your heart. And then all of a sudden, he'll begin to line your life up with him. And will everything be perfect? Absolutely not. But God will deliver you. If you submit to him, he will deliver you. And many sins um, that take a, um, a physical manifestation, addictions, God will deliver you from mm-hmm. that. He absolutely will. Now, will he it be will overnight? Free you. He will free you. He will free you from that. Will it be the same for every person, the same timeline, the same way? No. But God's desire is that we are liberated from the bondage that's in our life. That's why Jesus came, to break every curse, to free us from the slavery of sin, uh, that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And if if you want that, you can have that. Absolutely. And there is a difference between that and saying that when you get saved, God will give you a better job. God will give you more money. God will give you a bigger house. That's the prosperity gospel. That is a false gospel. God will deliver you from the bondage that's in your life so that you can be the person that he has called you to be. And that person may be a low-income worker in a factory that witnesses to people and loves on people right where you're at. And you'll have more joy, peace, and freedom in that 
plan that God has for your life than to chase riches if that's not God's plan for your life. So whether you stay in the station of life that you're in after you're saved, whether you're moved up, whatever it is, God will deliver you spiritually and give you peace and joy, and then it will be, you know, it's deliverance spiritually. It's not necessarily a physical change um, with your station in life or income or anything like that. I think there's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. And I want people to know that absolutely God will deliver you. Absolutely. There's no question in my mind. If we submit to him, we love him, we follow him, he will break the chains and shackles of bondages of sin that are in our life and then get ready because all kinds of amazing things are going to happen as you take the journey. Mm. Um, And then going back to what you said, Elisa, when you said immediately, um, notice how as soon as Jesus took her by the hand, He lifted her to her feet, and she began serving him. We are saved unto good works. The day we get saved, that's when it begins. That's not like a stamp where it's over. Like There's a ton of awesome things that Jesus has for you. And when he touched her, lifted her up, she got on her feet, and it was time to serve and serve him. With joy. With joy. It was not because you have to do these works. But it's because when you're touched by God, you want to. Absolutely. And I think sometimes um, sometimes we get burnt out. And, and it's partially our fault as Christians, and it's partially sometimes the way uh, church is done uh, in America, that we get so busy doing a bunch of good things that we get burnt out. Instead of saying, okay, where is God calling me? Let me let me use the gift. Let me work the gift that God has given me, and that will bring joy. You know, just working in a church building is not necessarily serving God, you know, because you can work your hands to the bone doing the wrong thing in the wrong season, even though it's a good thing, even though it may be biblical, and get completely burnt out and have zero joy. And that's a message the church needs to hear. Um both people that go to church and, and let themselves get signed up for things that are not um, what they feel called to do. No is a complete sentence. Yes. And church leadership needs to hear that all over. Anywhere you're at listening right now, church leadership needs to hear. We need to be sensitive to the Spirit and make sure that we put people in the position that God's calling them to do. Number one, because that's how the body will be built the most. God has given gifts to men that, that the world may know that he's real and that the church may be built. And if we're signing people up for a bunch of good things that God didn't say to do, then we're going to burn people out. Mm-hmm. And then we have a situation where we're creating lukewarm burnout Christians that then their walk and their testimony becomes Luke and, and lukewarm and burnout. And then we're all of a sudden we're breeding lukewarm mm-hmm. Christians. And then we end up in a place that we're in now in America, which is everybody's tired of playing church, and so people just stop going. And we look for all kind of different ways to reach, which segues perfect into the news article. Yes, it does. (laughs) So uh, we'll pick back up with Mark next week, uh, but we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and listen to last night's recording of our interview with uh, Pastor Robbie Rowe. Uh, So we'll see you in just a bit.
Hey guys, you can search for any of our past podcasts on our website at 2r1.org or you can find us on iTunes. Just search 2r1. That's the number two, the letter R, and the number one. If you have any questions, email us at questions at 2r1.org. All the links are posted there as well. And get ready. We're about to go to our pre-recorded interview with Robbie Rowe from last night. Hang tight. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, we have a special guest with us tonight uh, on the program. His name is Robbie Rowe. He's the head pastor of the Bridge Church in Nashville, Georgia, and he's joining us by phone. So thank you for joining us, Robbie. Uh, thank you for having me, Taylor. Yes, sir. And Elisa is also uh, joining us by phone. She's trying to do a little bit of multitasking and keep our, our house running while while me and Robbie are, are talking on the phone. So she's joining us by phone. And um, Elisa, are you there? I'm here. All right. So, Robbie, when I read this article, I immediately thought of you. Um, and before we get going, and I just, I'm just going to kind of surprise Robbie with this right here, real quick. Um, um, a few years ago, Lisa and I played a uh, some music at a missionary conference at Robbie's church, and uh, and I always tell people this about Robbie when we talk. Um, I've never heard the gospel presented so clearly and passionately in less than 10 minutes than that night. And I just wanted to tell you that, Robbie. It was absolutely amazing. So I just wanted okay, to tell well, I you I appreciate that. that, man. I appreciate that very much. That's that's the goal. Uh, absolutely. Present it clearly. And, uh, yeah, let the Lord use it. Absolutely. It was just an awesome conference. Uh, some, some people came and spoke that had been missionaries overseas. Just very powerful. Um, definitely left an impact on us. And, actually, Elisa... I don't know if you know, she's going to Uganda in June, and she's super excited. So That's awesome. I did not know that. I'll be praying for you, Lee. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So this, this article, I actually found this on CBN News. Uh, the title of it is, A New Way to Church. Justin Bieber's mm-hmm. Pastor Launches App to Take Church Global. And so I immediately thought of you, Robbie, because you're, you're the person probably I felt like could speak to this the most. Um, and I, I respect you, and I know you're very passionate about the gospel. Uh, so I really wanted to run this past you and kind of get your take on it. Um, the, the, the title of the article is, is a little bit, um, you know, it's, it, the, the article's more about um, Judah Smith, the pastor of Church Home, mm-hmm. launching this app. But I guess because of, you know, the, they had a little bit of a name drop there with Justin Bieber in the title. But sure. um, So, Robbie... I guess I wanted to ask you, just at first glance, when you read this article, being mm-hmm. a pastor in the trenches day in and day out, um, living life with people, kind of what is this article, um, kind of what, is, what, what do you see this article as? Is this, is this a positive thing for the kingdom? Is this a neutral thing? Is this a negative thing? Like, what, what is your take on kind of this angle of church that this article references? Yeah, that's a great question, Taylor. And when I first read it, man, my first thought was, listen, there's in between two and three billion people on the planet right now who have either no access or limited access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And there are, I would guess, hundreds of thousands of believers who are disconnected from a local church, from other believers. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, I'm all about whether it's social media, whether it's apps, internet, whatever it may be, uh, resources, getting people plugged in mm-hmm. and using that platform and spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. All for it. Um, I think in that even title, um, it's interesting to me because 
is this app uh, a supplement for ministry for mm-hmm. the church? Is mm-hmm. it something to be used alongside of, uh, i.e., this podcast or listening to a sermon online or, or whatever else it may be, a book you purchase, or is it in place of the church? And it seems to be, just the way I read it, in place of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole motive behind doing it was because Judah Smith got um, some of his members started saying they stopped coming again to church, being a building, but you know what I mean, a gathering right, right. of believers. And so he wanted to reach them, and uh, this was one form of it. So if you're talking about something that's supplementary to the spread of the gospel, um, but with the intent of once it spread, then getting them connected in a local church surrounded by believers that I'm for, I think it's positive. Mm-hmm. If you're saying, hey, this is a new method that's completely go away from what church was originally designed for, then I'm not for that. Right. Um, just think- as if somebody were to come to you and say, hey, Taylor, I'm struggling with an addiction. My marriage is falling apart thinking about you know suicidal thoughts but you know i don't really need counseling i just want to i'm gonna listen to your podcast you probably say dude that's not what i that's right. not the intent of this yes absolutely. I think that's what god yeah i think that's what god may be saying to us sometimes when it comes to church uh, whether it's this or other forms or fashion the ways we kind of view you know doing church in the 21st century right alisa you were saying something uh, i just said that's a good good um way to compare it good Good way, uh, I guess a metaphor is the word I'm looking for. You know, um, it shouldn't be the replacing because you need to be in a body of believers. Yes. You, know, you got to f- come together. Do not, what is the scripture? Do not forsake yeah. the assembly mm-hmm. yourself. The yeah. mm-hmm. But I think what we're, what we're seeing, anyways, from all different angles, it seems like God just keeps bringing it before us is that. The for the assembling is what is looking different now. I mean, yes. I think we always have grown up in a building, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be maybe getting redefined, but certainly yeah. not through an app. I can't imagine well, you well, really assembling and that being the only means. Yeah. yeah. And Elisa, that's a great, that word you used, assembly, because when you look at, you know, scripture and you look at what church. Um, means in scripture in the Greek it's ekklesia it means people who are called out of and into and they're gathered around so they, they would use the term like gathered ones but that's what it was it was an assembly of those called out of darkness into light and Jesus obviously the the lynch you know the crux of everything mm-hmm. but unfortunately in the middle ages dark ages it moved from that to this German word kirik which we get our word church for which meant a um, a place you went to to perform a religious duty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that sounds like what when that most does. people in the 21st mm-hmm. century hear church, that's what they think of. A yep. place you go to to do a religious uh-huh. activity and not the gathered body of Christ right. uh, assembled around Jesus. And, and that so, yeah. is starting to make people cringe, um, just the word church. And maybe that's mm-hmm. why sure. the app is, maybe why the app is, is trying to reach those people who just won't go to that building anymore. And that right. I guess, could be a positive. Yeah. But, yeah. And I and I know you, Robin. You you're one of the most grace filled people that I know, and it's and it's awesome. And I know, and I just want to real quick say, um, yeah. you know, Judah Smith, very powerful um, yes. man of God, very powerful, proficient with the word. 
As a matter of fact, someone shared a, um, a segment of one of his sermons on um, some social media. I saw it, and it was on YouTube, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it's titled, like, I Am Barabbas, and I would encourage yes, anyone to go that. watch. It's super powerful. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. during Easter week, it made me cry twice. I watched it twice and yeah. made me cry both <laughs> times. Super powerful. So certainly not taking anything away from Judah Smith and the, and the, uh, the work that God is doing with him and through him. Um, the thing that, that I think about the most, and I think both of you guys have spoke to this and around this, you know, something that I think is, um, I'm not going to say lacking because it would just depend on the church and the situation, but I think that one of the main reasons for assembling together in a place is, is, is for God to work gifts that he's given to each believer together mm-hmm. to build up the body of Christ and, you know, I think of the scripture, and I use this a lot, iron sharpens iron. Um, yes. and, and without that kind of community, I think that some of that will go lacking. Now, now the proponents of this platform would say, well, you still have community. It's just online. Uh, mm-hmm. But even if you wanted to go scientific with this argument, there's something about human touch. There's yeah. something about when you are broken— and, and someone just comes and, and embraces you and hugs you and tells you they love you. And, and I just don't know that you can get that online. Or even just mere eye contact. You don't mm-hmm. even have to touch. It's just the so many things are unspoken. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and There's I, a I th- difference in that presence online via an app versus presence. And, you know, and, being there. You know, uh, Jesus comes off the Sermon on the Mount, this greatest teaching, um, you know, that we have in Scripture of Jesus. And even the length of it, and the first thing he does is he encounters a leper who was not touched because of fear mm-hmm. of being unclean. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't just speak to him, mm. touches him. That is a great point. That's powerful. What we're talking about. Yeah, because there's, there's this guy who's excommunicated from people and from touch and a hug from a child or a kiss from his bride. And the first thing Jesus does is he meets that need mm. as he heals him. And that's I think amazing. That's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a replacement, uh, but I, I think Elisa made a good point, and we can kind of uh, use this as we're, we're bringing it to a close. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, you know, the fact that maybe it's, and I know that you probably see this too, Robbie, um, the, the youth culture of today, um, because I think in large part of a lukewarm church, a ritualistic church, oftentimes that, that they encounter Really, from what I've seen, I'm not going to speak for you, Robbie, but from what I've seen, a lot of the youth culture absolutely want nothing to do with their idea of church. And Mm so it could be and probably is that Judah Smith, in reaction to that, to try and at least break through some kind of barrier with them in hopes to bring them. But um, I think that—and I'm sure that Judah Smith's church is probably— um, trying to be, you know, biblical in their church having. But I think until the church really concentrates on uh, the way church was was patterned for us in the Bible, I think we're going to continue to see people have a disdain for that. And I think that's the goal, should be the goal of our churches. The goal of our churches should not be attendance. It should not be anything yeah. other than um, bringing forth the good news of Jesus Christ and trying to make sure that our churches look like the ministry that Jesus left us, the mantle that he left us to pick up. That's right. Yeah. Because with that, Taylor, I mean, you think about it, even getting back, you know, to the core of what is discipleship, it's not just, you know, okay, it means learner. So, but it's not just a transfer of knowledge. 
it's the transfer of life. It's life on life. That's what Jesus does. He calls his disciples by name. He equips them, empowers them, and then he sends them out. And that's mm-hmm. that's the model. Mm-hmm. Now, again, uh, Judah Smith, who I, I do, I like his, a lot of his teachings, and we may disagree on some things, but um, and I do think this is something that can be mightily used by God in this age. I mean, it could reach, a, like you said, a lot a generation that really has stepped away from, you know, going to church, um, so to speak. But with that being said, I still think, you know, and, and I'm sure they'll even learn from things uh, of things they can do better with this app or right, other avenues. Right. Just like every ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We all live and learn. But with that being said, I still think you don't get away from the small group, the, the presence, the relational aspect, because Christian faith uh, is lived out in community. I mean, it's about relationship. And you mentioned something, if I could say it real quick, Taylor, um, you mentioned about what that represents. Well, Jesus in his great high priestly prayer in John 17, he says this. He says he's praying to God the Father, and he says that just as they are one, he prays that we would be one. Mm. So unity within the church. And then he says this, so that the world may know that you sent me. Mm-hmm. And so if our unity is one of the great apologetics for the you know, God the Father sending God the Son, mm-hmm. then that has to be done in community. Amen. That There's is... no... There's no way for us to love one another, forgive one another. We haven't been hurt by some, you know what I mean? And right. that takes, you know, kind of being in presence, um, not just, you know, via the internet or an app or something like that. Right. So That is a very good point. To me, that that really seals the deal right there. I mean, it, essentially, um, it's, it's his command that we dwell together, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and that's where the world will see him is in our unity. That is That is so true. Yeah. Um, well, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us, man. And I, I very much uh, look forward to having you back on the program as, as things come and we can uh, bounce them off of you. So I thank you so much for taking your time to join us, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank Absolutely. You, thank you. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Take care. All right. Y'all too. Bye-bye. See you. What an awesome conversation with Robbie such a good guy yeah it's just so full of grace mm-hmm. um, and just so sharp and proficient with the word I'm just so thankful for him and and the ministry that God's doing through him and um, I love how he answered the question mm-hmm. I love how um, he didn't come at anyone he just simply took up for the gospel and what the gospel says and what the word says and says if it falls within this boundary then it's a good thing if it doesn't then it's a stumbling block. Why do we make things so complex? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the Word of God is our litmus test. Mm -hmm. And uh, Robbie just does that with such grace. We've been very blessed to know some very good men and women of God. Um, And we're looking forward to having all those on the program. People need people. People need people. Amen. And we need to, uh, we need human touch, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Words have power, but um, at the end of the day, sometimes just... You know, loving on somebody or being loved on does what what words could never do. That's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Did he say it just like that? Well, I don't know, but he, <laughs> he, he had the word and the touch. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's been a great program. We thank you guys for joining us, and uh, we'll be back finishing up Mark chapter 1 next week. Hopefully we can get yes. through it. But I don't. again, we're not going to rush, but Lord willing, we will finish Mark chapter 1 next week. And... Um, We just look forward to seeing you guys next week. Please pray for us. We love you. And uh, I believe next week we may have the opportunity to speak with um, my cousin, Dr. Blake Rackley. 
who is a licensed clinical psychologist. So um, we hope to work that out for you guys next week and give you something to look forward to. So uh, God bless you. Have a good week, and we'll see you next week.